0: On this episode of china unscripted hong kong is under threat and so is anyone who supports hong kong no matter where they are in the world welcome to china unscripted i'm chris chappell i'm shelly jung and i'm matt ganesha and joining us once again is benedict rogers co-founder and chief executive of hong kong watch and wanted fugitive thanks for joining us
1: my pleasure thanks for having me
0: so Hong Kong authorities have have threatened you a British citizen with life imprisonment for violating the Hong Kong national security law why, why don't you tell us what happened what like tell us the story
1: yeah well um about a month ago we realized that our website the website of Hong Kong watch was uh blocked in Hong Kong or at least partially blocked um uh, people found ways around it but but people were informing us that uh it was blocked on on a number of servers and uh we press released that uh and we um I think quite legitimately made an inquiry to the Hong Kong government to ask what the explanation for uh blocking our website was obviously we we could guess, but we wanted to hear from them um and then um about a week ago we did hear from them and uh I woke up in the morning to receive uh t- actually two letters firstly a a letter from the Hong Kong police. And then that was followed by an email from the Hong Kong National Security Bureau. But they both effectively said the same thing, which is that uh, our website, and by implication, our, the organization, uh, poses um, a threat to China's national security, uh, violates uh, Hong Kong's national security law, and that as the co-founder and chief executive of the organization, I was personally uh, held responsible They wanted us to take down the entire website within 72 hours of receiving their letters uh, and failure to comply would result in uh, anything between one one letter said between uh, a year and life imprisonment. The other one said uh, three years and life imprisonment uh, and a fine of uh, 100,000 Hong Kong dollars, which is the equivalent of about 13,000 US dollars.
0: Well, I mean, hey, at least they gave you a chance to right your wrongs before <laughs> having to go to jail for life.
1: Yes, I, I, that's right. Um, but obviously, we, uh, we've we chosen not to take that, that that option.
2: Why wouldn't you just give in to pressure? Wouldn't that, that have been a little easier?
1: <laughs> I think that would have been the worst thing to do. I, I think that would simply encourage them to use this kind of tactic against many others around the world. And then eventually you know even yourselves would be offline if uh, if they continued
0: I mean there's there's so many crazy things with this this story I mean just just first of all the idea that now you know people have been concerned that uh, you know China's great firewall would come to Hong Kong that you know the outside internet would be essentially cut off At, do you know of many other like websites that have been blocked in Hong Kong the way Hong Kong watch has been
1: uh I know a, of a number of others but I don't think I'm aware of any other foreign organization I think it's mostly been websites uh by Hong Kong groups
0: I mean this you should really feel proud like you are making so many firsts you were essentially the first Westerner to be denied entry to Hong Kong that was before the National Security Law right that's right that was back in 2017. uh you were. You, this is essentially the first uh, Western website that's been blocked in Hong Kong, and you were the first Westerner to be targeted by the National Security Law.
3: Did you do something to Carrie Lam? Like, did you somehow offend somebody personally? Like, it seems very much like they've 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 decided to target you specifically.
1: Well, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, I um, I have been quite critical of of Carrie Lam. Um, it's also. One amusing development link to this, and I don't know if there's a direct link, um, but about maybe a month or six weeks or so ago, um, you remember the case of Christine Lee, the uh, person who uh, MI5 uh, accused of um, infiltrating and, and basically spying uh, for the Chinese uh, regime in the British Parliament and the British political mm-hmm. system. Um, and I had commented on that. Um, and in response to that, Uh, Regina Ip, uh, a prominent Hong Kong pro-Beijing politician, former Secretary for Security, tweeted saying that it was outrageous that the UK was uh, accusing Christine Lee of these things. uh, And if the UK uh, insisted on doing so, uh, Hong Kong should, uh, in retaliation, apply the same charges to me. Um, And now they have. So,
0: (laughs) This is this Wait, is interesting. Specifically,
1: like, you like she said you in the tweet. She said me in the tweet. Yeah. Wow. I,
2: I'm trying to follow the logic of what you said, but it makes no sense to me. No, no, no. I get it. I get it.
0: You know, it's it's clearly something personal with you, Benedict. And you know what they say: Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. <laughs> what did what did you do to Carrie Lam? I think you you broke her
3: and Regina Ip. Both. Well,
0: she's I'm assuming she's acting on behalf <laughs> okay. of Carrie Lam like when you get your
2: friends. To, oh, okay, uh, okay, so, okay yeah. so what did you do heartbreaker?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, actually uh, when I lived in Hong Kong many years ago, I lived there for the first five years after the handover from 1997 to 2002 and I worked as a journalist then and I remember I did write uh, some articles very critical of regina rip at the time and i wonder if she has a Ooh. long memory um I, I do remember she she complained to my editor at the time that was at the time when hong kong was a still a free and open city under one country two systems and uh my editor's response was just a laugh and 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 you know told me about it but um yeah so regina rip and i go back a long way i guess <laughs> so do you do you know her personally i don't at all i've i've never met her have you
3: met Carrie Lamb? I know. No, I haven't. It. I mean, it feels like Regina Ip is the kind of person who would probably remember a journalist who, you know, criticized her. Yeah, <laughs> Just... I,
2: I think that's the only explanation is that she secretly had a crush on you, and your oh articles my gosh. broke her heart. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this was going in a is different this... direction than i thought because i was like hey benedict are you in the cia <laughs> you know oh. like, like that would be i i would assume the next like accusation right
0: well
2: cia doesn't make <laughs> sense for, i mean wouldn't it be mi6 oh yeah yeah,
3: yeah but you know yeah. they obviously work together they all
0: work together i mean i yeah. before the podcast started i told you we aren't the bbc so this is clearly yes. not the kind of interview you normally get um <laughs> but so to get us back on track uh I think like a lot of people will hear this is well first of all I think a lot of people aren't necessarily clear on the fact that the Hong Kong National Security law technically applies to everyone on the planet any like you were the first but technically anyone could be charged with breaking the National Security law and you know being charged a fine or being sentenced to life in prison Uh, like this this really and and now i think a lot of people would think that's laughable like you're probably not going to end up in a hong kong prison for life but this is a really clear example of how china uses legal warfare against the world and i think we need to talk about why this is actually a really worrying development
1: yeah absolutely um as you say i think it's their ability to enforce this is Very limited i think um in practical terms probably the the one thing i do need to be careful of um in a worst case scenario is uh is travel to countries that have extradition agreements with hong kong or or china like Um, russia like russia exactly
2: i mean there's (laughs) Um, kazakhstan belarus you know there's a few of these these great nations that have extradition treaties mongolia that's yes you know if you're trying to get close to china yeah
1: that, that, that's right. I assume North Korea probably is, as well. But
0: uh, oh, There goes your North Korea vacation plans. I'm yeah, sorry.
1: exactly. <laughs> um, but as you say, it, um, the national security law, Article 38, I, I think it is, um, uh, says that you can be anywhere in the world. You don't have to be a resident of, of Hong Kong to be in breach of the national security law. It's the extraterritoriality uh, clause. And and we all commented on that when the law was first imposed and said this was a very dangerous uh, uh, article uh, in the, the law. But I don't think I ever believed that they really would go this far as to use it. I Or rather, I thought that the the bigger danger would be for exiled Hong Konger groups. Uh, I thought they would be the most likely targets. Um, but to use it uh, for the first time against a... Uh, a foreign national and a foreign organization is um yeah quite, quite a surprise
0: I mean I was really upset when I heard this story uh, the, you know when when I heard they sentenced you to life in prison for violating the national security law I was furious like I mean why not us <laughs> yes
2: <laughs> right uh well I'm so okay uh, you know it in terms of you know now that you as a UK citizen living in London are Uh, targeted or I don't know if charged is technically the right word, but essentially charged with violating the the law. But let's say you don't go to Russia or Kazakhstan or any of the other 20-something countries that have those extradition treaties, right? So they're not going to nab you from those countries. But what could they do to you in the UK, if anything?
1: well as far as i uh, understand it there's very little they can do to me in the uk particularly as the i mean a the british government suspended its extradition agreement uh, as soon as the national security law came in in 2020 and b the british government has been extremely supportive of us in the last few days the the foreign secretary liz truss issued a uh, very strong statement uh, on the day that the story broke um, so I think probably the only uh, threat that we do have to be mindful of in the UK is the cybersecurity issue. Um, I mean, if they uh, want us to take down our website and we refuse to do so, will they try and do it themselves? Um, that's something we, we need to be aware of. And other other forms of, of cybersecurity threats are a possibility, although so far, um, thankfully, nothing has happened. And I, and I should say our social media Uh, as far as I know, is still um, live in Hong Kong, hasn't been taken down. Um, I haven't had any follow-up from the authorities in Hong Kong. And and you're right to say that charged is probably not the right word. Um, Threatened or accused is probably a better term, because as far as I know, I haven't yet been uh, legally charged. I've I've been warned that I could be.
3: There's something I just kind of don't understand about the way that they've gone about this, which is, you know essentially it seems like they sent you the, these letters as a threat you know to try to make you take down your website in, in 72 hours if you don't then you could you could be accused of this but then you've just turned around and publicized this right and what are they going to do next are they going to actually go through with the kind of farce of trying to charge you under the national security law like it seems like this is kind of stupid on their point am i am i not seeing something that they get out of this
1: well that's right and and uh I mean there are several other aspects of it that that are really quite laughable I mean one is the, the particular accusation is that we're g- guilty of uh collusion with foreign political uh entities um but we are a foreign political entity so are we colluding with ourselves are we colluding with our elected representatives uh in the UK. Um and the other thing is uh as we've already said they they denied me entry and effectively banned me from Hong Kong uh in 2017. So they would have to unban me before they could imprison me, because they, they, they were currently I'm not allowed into Hong Kong. Um so I'm not sure how I can serve my sentence if I if they wanted me to.
2: So the, this national security law, I mean this this threat they're using under it is Basically, it sounds to me like it's the way that they treat people in China, right? Which is that they threaten you and they assume that it, that you're like 99.9% of people in China who give in to the threat because they realize that if they don't, uh, the consequences are very immediate and very serious. And so they just use the same tactic, not realizing that you have an alternative.
1: That's right. And, and that's exactly uh, the pattern... Uh, that I've uh, experienced uh, over the last several years, because um, they've done this this time, but previously uh, I received, and we talked about this on a on a previous uh, episode. Um, I received various uh, threatening letters, not only to my my home address, but also to my neighbours, uh, my uh, employers, um, and also to my mother, who lives in a different part of the UK. And that's the kind of tactic they use in mainland China to threaten. Uh, people through their families their neighbors their uh employers and of course given the system in china it 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 is effective there but the idea that they think it would work uh in in london is is extraordinary and they're following the same playbook again
0: it's amazing they threatened your mother
1: (laughs) yes yes i mean she she received several letters um basically they were not threatening her as such but they were uh, asking her to uh, tell me to stop doing what I'm doing, and thankfully, I my mother is a very supportive of what I do, and B has a good sense of humor, and she just laughed and said, "Well, I I gave up trying to to, to do that many years ago."
2: <laughs> Wait, did she actually reply to them? No, no. There, there were, well, the other thing was <laughs> that would be funny, hilarious, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the funny thing with these um, these letters is they were anonymous, and there was no um, so they were asking my neighbours to keep an eye on me and monitor my activities um but i'm not sure if my neighbors did want to do that i'm not sure who they would have reported back to because there was no uh was no address on the letter (laughs) So
0: weird just (laughs)
2: shouted into the sky (laughs) it's like they've they've got their playbook but like they've only thought through like the first half of it i mean like it would (laughs)
3: make sense if you had like a neighborhood committee or you know like they have in china where like everybody kind of is supposed to like monitor and like you know people who cause trouble are there's there's a there's a mechanism to get people in trouble that way, but there's not really that kind of thing here. Well, I mean, I think there's Twitter.
0: They there is Twitter, uh, but I think like the point is is you know not to be effective, but to create a, like a climate of fear. That like is these, that is true. These people somehow have your address. I, I remember you said there was one time like they knew somebody knew like what hotel you were staying at on one of your trips. So that's, like, uh, that's right. Yeah, so this is like to intimidate people, like to, you know, the sort of the the soft power, uh, friendly panda image of China is kind of getting fading away, and they're now you know exposing the panda's claws and its deadly sting. Yes. The deadly sting. sting?
2: Wait, panda's? Sting. I don't know
0: a lot about biology, but they're <laughs> <laughs> they're
2: poison venom glands. <laughs>
0: So, yes, thank you, Matt. We're now seeing the Communist Party's poison panda venom gland. <laughs> there was a little too much alliteration in there for me to pronounce. <laughs> We're not the BBC.
2: But the, but the panda's bark is worse than its bite. Pandas, <laughs> I,
0: I wonder. Actually, no, pandas have a pretty powerful bite, I think. But how about their bark? I
1: don't I actually don't they, know they, what, what
0: they, kind of vocalizations do, do they make sounds? We should have a cutaway to what a panda sounds like <laughs> uh but but yeah seriously this is this is the chinese Communist party trying to assert itself globally in a way that they haven't really done before and even Actually,
3: though i think they have this is the thing yeah like you, you, that the art uh, the news that broke um this past week about the U.S like Department of Justice charging um, Chinese nationals right with essentially trying to intimidate uh harass Chinese Americans who are like Chinese dissidents mm-hmm. did you see this where like they basically there was this one guy who was an artist who made a statue that showed Xi Jinping as a coronavirus and they tried to burn that statue down they tried to harass this one a guy who had been a Tiananmen Square uh, massacre survivor who went on to try to run for Congress in the U.S. And his daughter is actually a U.S. Olympic figure skater. And they tried to um, harass him, monitor him, hired private investigators to try to find out where these people lived, you know, dig up any dirt on them. There was somebody who kind of appeared to be a confidant, like a confidant to some of these um you know pro-democracy people and then was secretly reporting all this to the Chinese Communist Party so the stuff that they have goes back years
0: well the difference is this is going from targeting like Chinese dissidents who live abroad to now just trying to target everyone writing letters to your poor mother or supposedly sentencing you to life in prison uh that is I think this that is an escalation
3: I think that is an escalation but I wonder if they've basically miscalculated.
0: Interesting. What do you think, Benedict?
1: Yeah, I I think they probably have miscalculated. I mean all these things what I've experienced uh the, the cases you've uh, been describing also the kind of wolf warrior diplomacy that we've seen in recent years I, I think have uh have been counterproductive for them. Um I mean I remember some years ago before Xi Jinping um Uh, well, and even in the early years of Xi Jinping, um, you know, there was so much kind of goodwill among the West to China. Um, In the UK, we had uh, the so-called golden era of Sino-British relations. Um, And my job was much harder then because so many people didn't want to rock the boat, didn't want to damage relations with China. Um, Now I think we're seeing a real, I mean, it's not enough and there's a long way still to go, but we are seeing uh people waking up and uh rethinking uh the relationship with China. We're seeing that definitely in the UK, in the US, uh and, and and across parts of Europe. And I think that's that's partly because uh of what the regime has done to Hong Kong. It's partly uh because of the evidence of what's happening to the Uyghurs uh, getting more attention, but it's also partly, I think, because of the uh increasingly aggressive behavior of the regime externally and and that has yeah that has woken people up
0: yeah I wonder if this is them just not really realizing that you know the tactics they use against Chinese people don't work like they were very good at like trying to buy off and influence the West in, in a variety of ways um but yeah particularly with Hong Kong like I don't know if they expected how bad that would make them look and then once they started getting attacked you know they're they're communists they don't really know how to respond to that except for like viciously lashing out so I wonder it's, if they're just like stuck fault. in this loop
3: like it's a, it's America's fault obviously. yeah obviously these are all CIA people
0: yeah and so now they don't know how to handle like it was easy when like they could just buy people off and it was you know golden era uh friendly you know win-win mutual cooperation but now they're like in this kind of death spiral of just lashing out in ways that actually will not like they're not they haven't successfully threatened you. They've just made themselves look like idiots.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
2: But I I want to touch on something that you you brought up earlier Chris, which is the legal warfare. Hmm. Which is, you know, I would say there's there's kind of two different types of legal systems, you know, broadly speaking, and one is I would kind of call it the UK legal system, which is you know, starting sort of starting with Magna Carta and the whole thing that sort of d- evolved over the last few centuries, which is that there's this rule of law and there's a specific set of rules. And you know, if you commit a crime, you, know, you you have a sort of trial. And if you are found to have put your toe past the line, you can be found guilty. But if you haven't put your toe past the line, uh, you're found not guilty. And it's sort of designed to protect the innocent. The other type of legal system, broadly speaking, is a communist legal system, which is that uh, you have a, a country where the government is controlled by the party and not by the whatever's written in their constitution, which could be a quasi phony constitution. So it's actually the parties controlling the government and controlling the courts. And so they're using law as a system to have the appearance of rule of law, but it's actually rule by law. Mm. Uh, So they're, they're using this law as a tool to go after people, but it's actually the party's tool to target the people they want to target. And it has often very little to do with what we in the West would consider crimes. Now, here's the problem. You've got two very different legal systems and to even call them legal systems is the beginning of the problem because when you start to think, oh, well, you know, that's illegal according to Chinese law, then the, there starts to be this, when you use the same term for things, it starts to blend the meanings. And I think what the communist party is trying to do is is use their um, communist rule by law system to kind of spread around the world uh, to get people to start recognizing Chinese law as being, legitimate in some way. And I think it's a process that could take decades, but I think that's what they want to do is is push their legal system around the world, which, will, which always gives authoritarians control at the expense of protecting the innocent. And so this is a kind of legal warfare. And another example of that would be the law that they passed recently um, that allows Chinese vessels to open fire in the South China Sea um, if they're targeted, right? And it's like, it's illegal because it's the South China Sea which is international waters, but it's legal according to China's law because that's Chinese territory. And I Mm. feel like that's kind of the same thing as the Hong Kong national security law, using this legal warfare, using this appearance of a legal system to then uh, spread the Communist Party's rule by law around the world.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right, and um, it's very clear that they, as you say, they have their own understanding of uh, of, of law and absolutely no um, respect for what we would call the international rules based order. I mean, they uh, sign up sign up to numerous treaties, um, not least, of course, the Sino British Joint Declaration, which is a uh, an international treaty registered at the United Nations that is valid until. 2047 the first 50 years from the handover um but uh they they've basically effectively torn it up they say it's a historic document that is no uh, not relevant uh, today uh, and uh they do the same with other international treaties that their signatories to but choose not to uh, uh, abide by um and the other thing that's happened in in Hong Kong itself is you know Hong Kong was until recently very much a place that uh, prided itself in the rule of law and independent judiciary and and so on. And now we're seeing that really undermined. uh, The judiciary is certainly not independent. It's under political pressure to deliver the uh, verdicts and sentences that the authorities want. Uh, And um, crucially, in the national security law cases, uh, I believe I'm correct in saying that none of or certainly almost uh, all of uh, those uh, who are in prison uh, under the national security law uh, pre-trial, um, have been held <clears throat> for many months ahead of their trial uh, and denied bail. And bail used to be a very normal, uh, expected part of, uh, of legal proceedings in, in Hong Kong. Um, so that's quite significant. I, I always remember the um, one of Hong Kong Watch's patrons, uh, former British Foreign Secretary uh, Sir Malcolm Rifkind, who was the foreign secretary in the last couple of years before the handover of Hong Kong, he tells a story of talking with his Chinese counterpart, the the Chinese foreign minister, and uh, he made the point about the importance of the rule of law. And uh, the Chinese foreign minister said, ah, yes, we we also believe in uh, the rule of law. Uh, Hmm. In China, the people must obey the law. And Malcolm Rifkin said, no, no, you don't understand. It's not just the people that the government must obey the law as well the government is under the law and uh his chinese counterpart looked as if he was from another planet and, and couldn't uh, couldn't understand that concept at all and so as you say they they uh apply rule by law not uh, rule of law
2: yeah so so as a sort of um instructive lesson help us understand how hong kong went from rule of law to now rule by law at least in the national security cases because like i would think that hong kong having been established so long as this free and independent city you know you'd have you'd have lawyers you'd have uh prosecutors like district attorneys or the equivalent
3: you also have hong um, kong law
2: you have you have hong kong yeah you have hong kong law you have judges it, you have this whole system of of people or bureaucrats or whatever that are used to this Sort of standard British rule of law legal system that's now being used to do things that are like clearly not right according to that system. And it happened very fast. Like, like that. Like,
0: the yeah. old system fell apart immediately. It's how democracy dies. in like Hong Kong was a
2: democracy. Yeah. Well, but and, and it died so quickly. So yeah. how does that actually happen? Like, what's the mechanism for like force? How does an authoritarian system force this change on a free system so quickly. Mm.
1: well, you're you're right to uh, point out the speed of it. I think that's what's so so shocking. Um, I think the only explanation really is just that they have created this um, intense uh, climate of fear that that uh, uh, people who previously were absolutely uh, defenders of the rule of law and of of, of an open free, uh, society um, uh, are afraid of the consequences if they if they don't uh, implement what they're being asked to do. And so, for example, you know, people in the in in the judiciary and the legal profession in Hong Kong basically have one of two choices. And and to be fair to them, they, you know, they did many of them did speak out um, for as long as they could uh, uh, before it became too dangerous. But now they really face two, cho- two choices. One is to leave Hong Kong, uh, which many have. Um, the other is to to do what uh, the regime is asking them to do. And I think that's probably the explanation for why it's happened so fast.
2: Hmm. I guess it's interesting because it's like people who are sort of like they're unhappy with it, but they're not willing to go so far as to quit or leave. Like their their freedom of speech has already been taken away, so they can't talk about it. Uh, freedom of the press has been taken away so none of the media locally are going to report on it they can't even put up a a blank white piece of paper in protest right like if they get punished or if they're if they want to express their fear of this system like that's already been taken away right
3: and what's interesting here is that i don't think that there's actually been a national security law case that's gone to trial yet right like- i think
1: that's correct actually yes
3: so they've managed to essentially start dismantling the system without actually like they've charged people those people are in prison but they're not they haven't been tried so they haven't actually like Wait, fully so they're, used they're the all system. sitting
2: in they're, they're, for up to two years they've all been sitting in jail i don't know that bail? they
3: i don't know that they charged people right away but like de- in the last two years they've definitely charged people and they've mm. i think there was a case just recently where they, they revoked somebody's bail, right where she had been out on bail and they revoked the bail and she had to go
2: to prison. but I, I guess what's what's interesting about that is is you can use the system of detaining people pre-trial and denying bail, which already exists within the system although as you point out Benedict, it wasn't used that much to deny people bail but like you can use that to detain people for you know six months or a year or two years. Um, It's very punishing. It's very disruptive to their lives, especially for someone who's totally innocent, right? Um, And then- I don't know if anybody's gonna be totally innocent under the national security law. Well, yeah, but like they're morally innocent, right? And then, okay, so they're, they're detained for a year and then released knowing that they could always be charged again with some other violation of the national security law. And so without ever going to trial, theoretically, you could keep all these people in line with a legal system that allows you to detain people pre-trial.
1: say so, no I, I completely agree and the other thing to say is that of course with a number of these cases um they're p- piling on the charges to make sure that they stay in prison for as long as possible and potentially you know forever um so in the case of jimmy Lai, he faces national security law charges but a number of other uh, charges under under other laws um i think the same is true of i don't think joshua wong actually has been charged yet under the national security law um but he's facing you know he's been given a pile of and every time he completes one sentence they they add on another charge um so it's not just the national security law they're using uh, all the laws they can to 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 just add on charges
0: and this is the thing that worries me like we we talked about how the change in Hong Kong happened so fast it happened almost overnight um and so you now you know right now we're laughing about how you know they've sentenced you to life in prison um but the scary thing is the Chinese Communist Party wants to be the world's superpower they want to control things and they have been gradually expanding their influence over the years and so right now we can say oh the idea that they could uh, you know sentence someone in another sovereign country to life in prison that's ridiculous but they want to be able to get to the point where they can't actually do that.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's absolutely true. And and uh, that's why it's so important that uh, particularly democratic countries around the world um, really wake up to this, uh, speak out, uh, act um, and do so together. I think Ch- China's very skilled at playing countries off each other or... or um, Retaliating against an individual country that has taken a stand, but if uh, democracies uh, coordinate more together and, and take a stand, and actually there was a in a very small uh, way, there was a little bit of a, an example of of um, of that uh, earlier this week. Uh, the Canadian uh, High Commission in in London uh, asked me at short notice to um, if I would come in to brief them, and I thought initially it was just with uh, Canadian diplomats, but they then invited. Uh, several other countries, the, the Australians, New Zealanders, uh, the US embassy, uh, Japan, um, and the European Union. Uh, and that was really welcome that we ha- I had a chance to talk to all of these diplomats from different countries in one room. Uh, and uh, even more encouraging, the, the Canadians said they wanted to take a, a photograph of me and a, and a colleague uh, um, it, with a Canadian backdrop so that they could tweet tweet it and express their support uh, for us. Um, and other uh, en- embassies uh, uh, retweeted it. So um, that's a very small uh, anecdote. But uh, but I mean, I think the point is, uh, the free world needs to uh, stand together uh, in the face of this this growing challenge.
0: I bet Regina Ip hated that. <laughs> <laughs> but so so what are some of the ways the Chinese Communist Party is trying to uh gain this level of control that they ultimately want
1: well I think it's uh of course economic coercion uh, uh encouraging countries to become overly reliant on China and then using that uh, to threaten them it's their influence in the United Nations uh, and other multilateral organizations uh of course the pandemic has uh, has really uh, brought to light um, the the challenges of, uh, you know, the fact that uh, COVID-19 came about not because of anything uh, to do with the Chinese people, but because uh, the Chinese Communist Party regime uh, was, well, to put it at best, uh, uh, negligent um, uh, and, you know, failed to alert the world uh, in time. But then, of course, they're they're making all the uh, PPE that we all needed during the pandemic. So it's those sort of ways that are, they're extending their influence. How about Interpol? I, Interpol is definitely uh, a key concern, and, and actually, um, I mean, I'm I'm certainly looking into what can be done in my own case to to prevent, uh, for example, red notices being put out, uh, which uh, it's highly unlikely that. European countries, for example, would actually extradite me. Um, but it's not inconceivable that if a, the Chinese put a red notice out uh, in Interpol, uh, I might my travel in Europe uh, to those countries that still have extradition agreements with both China or Hong Kong might be, you know, more inconvenient. I might potentially be uh, detained, and um, uh, and that's happened, for example, uh, with Bill Browder, a prominent. Uh, critic of putin um he he's actually been stopped and and, and detained in certain european countries uh, and then of course the countries further afield that uh, probably would uh extradite a, a person um and this isn't just about me you know it's this has happened uh already to uh chinese dissidents to uyghurs uh and others so yeah um china's influence in interpol is uh a major concern um and, and I mean, Interpol couldn't even protect, uh, as you'll recall, it, its own uh, uh, previous uh, president who was Chinese when the regime decided they um, they wanted him back. Um, Interpol couldn't protect him. So China's influence in Interpol is uh, yeah, definitely a concern.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's it, a lot of people might find it far fetched that, you know, the Chinese Communist Party, China could have that kind of level of control where they could actually arrest uh you know a foreign citizen but yeah look at Interpol they they're they're the current current president is Chinese right
3: yeah they elected another Chinese
0: yeah after the last one was like kidnapped by China the
2: last Chinese, he obviously and, wasn't good enough
0: yeah and so and like as you mentioned there's cases of Interpol being used by authoritarian regimes uh Bill is
3: American right Uh, that's
1: right. He's American. Um, and he also has British citizenship and based in the UK.
0: So, yeah, this is a very clear way of like, you know, if these authoritarian regimes gain control of international institutions, like Interpol the international police, essentially in a way, um, yeah, that, that, that could actually start affecting the world. You know, really since like the end of the cold war, I think there was like this sort of like, complacency or arrogance that happened in the West where it's like oh we're at the end of history liberal democracies have won and I think a lot of people just don't believe like China or Russia could ever challenge that that there could be a situation where liberal democracies are no longer the dominant power in the world
1: yeah absolutely and I mean I think Russia's invasion of Ukraine and China's uh well apparent support for that although they've been playing it a bit uh, slightly uh, ambiguously in, in recent days but um that uh uh whole situation really uh, brings to light that we're in a uh, a profound struggle between uh free democratic open societies on the one hand and authoritarianism in the other and i think if there's one good thing that's come from both the tragedy uh, in Ukraine and the uh uh increasing aggressiveness of uh China um it is that uh Western democracies are starting to wake up um it may be rather late in the day but but I think they are starting to and they're starting to show more unity and and that's um this could be a turning point for for, for good
0: how do you think China is reacting to how the West uh reacted to Russia's invasion of Ukraine?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. On the day of the invasion, um, I was asked by the Daily Telegraph in London to write an article for them on uh, what uh, Ukraine might mean for Taiwan. Um, and this was before the the West kind of started to get its, its act together. And I wrote in that article, the opening line was Xi Jinping will be watching the West's response to the Ukraine invasion very closely. Um, and if, if our response is weak, um, he will be emboldened, I think, but it's probably too early to tell, but I, I think that the fairly, to me, pleasantly surprising way in which, um, actually the West, uh, did start to, uh, react, uh, more, more strongly and more swiftly, uh, swiftly in both senses of the word. <laughs> um, yeah. mm-hmm.
0: uh, that's a very particular type of pun. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um and particularly germany's uh complete turnaround um i hope that that will have sent uh uh xi jinping a a, a signal that will um uh give him pause for thought and also of course the, the fact that the invasion has not gone entirely putin's way um so let's let's hope that uh uh is a is a cautionary note for for beijing
2: i think there's really only one possible explanation for this which is that uh everyone from those countries read your article.
3: <laughs> it was, that's what got the German chancellor. Yeah. Um,
2: I mean, I don't know how else to explain Germany.
3: <laughs> uh I had read in the Washington Post that it was like Zel- uh, Zel- President Zelensky from Ukraine, like pleading with the European Union that made a big difference. But who knows if that's true or not? No, I think it was Benedict's article. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> I, I would give more cre- much more credit to President Zelensky, I, I think.
3: <laughs> I, I do think that there's something interesting here, though, that like while we hope that uh, Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party, they've looked at this and been like, oh, this might not be as easy as we think. I don't think we should be complacent that this has actually stopped them or paused them in a meaningful way because there is definitely I think we see this in Russia's invasion of Ukraine too where there's like a, a level of arrogance right for, for Putin thinking that like oh well you know obviously this is just going to be another special military operation where it's going to happen really fast and nobody's going to really respond to it and I could totally see the Chinese Communist Party looking at what happened with Russia and Ukraine going well, yeah they messed that up but you know when we take taiwan we're going to do it better you know we are going to get taiwan much faster we're going to learn from their mistakes we're going to make sure we're off the international monetary system like we're just going to make sure that when we do it we're going to do it way better than russia did
1: yeah i i totally agree with that I, uh we certainly shouldn't be uh, complacent um uh, and i think we were too complacent uh even though all the warning signs of the invasion of Ukraine were, were there, we, we uh, you know kept thinking that it wasn't going to happen. Uh, so absolutely, complacency uh, sh- should be off the table. And as you say, I think uh, China could well be looking at this and learning lessons. I mean, they did the same in a way when the Soviet Union collapsed. And uh, they, they learned lessons from that because they were determined uh, not to allow the same thing to happen to them.
2: Yeah, I mean, one thing I'll say to the Communist Party's credit is they're very clever. They're very good at uh, sort of duct taping up bad situations. And they're very good at learning from other people's mistakes. And I know, I know that doesn't explain all of their behavior. But, you know, like every crisis that has beset China over the last two decades that I've been following it, like I, I'm always... Uh, awe is maybe the wrong word, but it's always a, a surprise to me how well they're able to sort of deal with some problem that that they have caused, for example. Kind of like, oh, you know, economic crisis. Well, they've come up with this solution to solve it. And yes, maybe that'll create more problems, but then they end up figuring out a way to solve that, right? Even the the Hong Kong problem, which is that that people were protesting, like they solved it. Uh, with the national security law uh, and that's created a new set of problems but they're also in the process of solving that new set of problems
0: well this is something we've talked about on uh, china uncensored like how china is trying to use the russian invasion of ukraine for its own advancement that they're trying to essentially turn russia into a north korea kind of situation where Like with north korea china can be the 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 middleman the intermediary the only ones who can get russia to listen to them and so china then becomes very important in this whole kind of geopolitical game of chess
2: yeah we need china to help us work with russia and mediate this if we've got to rely on because xi jinping and and putin are such good friends
1: yeah absolutely right I, i think um they they're extremely skilled at uh, and you know just when we uh were beginning to make progress uh in in people waking up to the to the challenge and the threat of china along comes russia and 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 people are, are saying we need china um they say the same over uh, climate change um so yeah i i agree they um they play that very well
0: and this is the big question you know uh, after russia invade ukraine you heard people saying oh you know it's worth spending a little more money to uh you know stop to to be less reliant on russia to stop russia and it's like why haven't they been saying that about china ever because <laughs> we're way more reliant on china than we are on russia yeah and so the question is if china were to invade taiwan would we have that same attitude
3: mm. maybe yeah, we'll be I pleasantly mean, surprised
0: yeah
1: let, let's hope we are pleasantly surprised <laughs> but um And and let's hope also we can, that we're not caught, uh, by, by surprise, um, which I think we were, even though we had a lot of warning, um, with Ukraine, uh, you know, we should have been with Ukraine. We should have been actually putting sanctions on China before the invasion, not afterwards and sending arms to the Ukrainians before the invasion, not afterwards. Um, and so let's hope we can start doing the same, uh, with Taiwan, um, to prevent it happening rather than reacting when it does happen
0: very true um well so one other thing i want to talk about is you know since you are such a special person to the chinese communist party obviously so many firsts for you uh what do you think is next what <laughs> how, how do they top life imprisonment
3: oh for for benedict you
2: mean what's yeah. next for benedict okay. yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I guess I'm waiting to see, um, I I don't know if you know that I'm working on a a book at the moment, uh, which basically looks at all the major human rights uh, issues. (laughs) So it's a long book, Um, uh, covering Hong Kong, the Uyghurs, Tibet, the persecution of Christians, the persecution of Falun Gong, organ harvesting, the crackdown on civil society and lawyers, and then of course, Taiwan as well. And um, that will come out towards the end of uh, this year and it'll be interesting to see how how they react to that it, it probably so it's, it's is...
2: every third rail issue in one book
1: yes <laughs> <It's perfect. laughs> and it will probably come out in either in time for or just after the uh uh the the plenum uh, the, the the party plenum that's taking place later this year
0: well that's exciting i didn't know you were working on that book we'll, we'll have to have you back on when that comes on uh, comes yeah. out
3: so, sounds pretty comprehensive <laughs>
0: Regina is gonna love it.
3: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. M- maybe you could get her to do a blurb.
2: Yes, get, yes. Get, get, her, get her to write the foreword for it. That'd be very nice. <laughs> actually that'd be great because it would be like, do not read this book. It's horrible. It's totally full of lies. Well, this <laughs> and you could you could put that, actually get her to tweet about it, yeah. which she might actually do. And then you can use that as the forward to your book. Absolutely.
0: They are helping you sell this book i mean from the wanted fugitive <laughs> <and Dick> Ryan, <laughs> comes a book the chinese communist party doesn't want you to read
3: yeah wow that's,
0: that's this, is, really... this is pretty good yeah. you'll be the next tom
2: clancy
3: yeah be sure to tell your uh, publicist uh, you know to to have
2: you like that <laughs> reach out to, to regina Ip and carrie lam and and uh it'll be fun yeah
0: yeah i just want to point out i think it's appropriate that can we get the close-up on matt real quick uh that there's that little Lego Carrie Lamb in the background where she's holding a gun she looks like yeah. a little thug we got that when we were when we were in Hong Kong we weren't banned from going to Hong Kong
3: no. no no but
2: I'm a little nervous about setting foot in Hong Kong again um I don't know maybe maybe they don't even know
0: we exist
3: it's possible
2: yeah there's they're they're really good like um pig cheek and noodle place that we went to
3: oh are we gonna start reminiscing about hong kong that's gonna get really sad (laughs) Uh,
0: well benedict thanks for thanks for joining us again i know you a lot of people have been wanting to get you on to talk about this insanity so i appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and share the story with our audience
1: no it's it's always a, a pleasure and thank you so much for having me
0: yeah and we'll definitely have to have you on either when your book comes out or when the communist party does the next stupid thing to you
1: <laughs> <Absolutely>.
0: <laughs> so we'll have you on weekly i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> all right talk to you next time
1: thank you so much
3: you know i kind of have a question do you think because we were talking we we're joking with benedict earlier that he was in obviously in the cia because of how badly the chinese regime wanted to go after him do you think they actually believe that there are all these people in the CIA that the Hong Kong
0: protests were actually started by the CIA you know that's that's a good question I kind of think that could be true because you know in China like everything is political there's always you know some double entendre or whatever I I wouldn't be surprised if they think everyone is as paranoid and crazy as they are And also actually sends people to go to other countries and set fire to statues they don't like. Yeah, it's one of those things where they accuse others of what they do.
3: Yeah, this just occurred to me because I was reading something, you know, about the whole Russia accusing Ukraine of having bioweapons thing. Mm -hmm. There was somebody who was talking about how after the Soviet Union fell, the Soviet scientists and the uh, former Soviet scientists and American scientists like visited each other's labs and both were surprised because the Americans didn't know exactly the extent that the Soviet bioweapons warfare like was actually a thing like they didn't realize how much they were doing and the former soviets were like oh you don't have one mm-hmm. because you know the US had signed the uh, treaty to ban bioweapons back in 1972 but i think like the soviet union was just like we're
0: secretly doing
3: it Surely, everybody they else must be secretly doing it too. In fact,
0: know? wasn't like the resurgence of smallpox a result of like Russian bio labs?
3: I don't know about that.
0: I'll have to look that up. I think there's something like that, but uh, yeah. So I think it is a similar like. I think you're right about uh, the the Chinese Communist Party. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, Matt.
2: Oh no, I was gonna say what you said, except less articulately. Ah
0: well one thing I think that's very important that came out of this episode is is uh, we, we gotta make uh that scary Panda t-shirt Ooh. you know the the, with the, 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 venom. the dripping with venom and claws the deadly sting of the panda and the stings. it was gonna it have like a, a sting tail, on like a the sting
2: sting
0: tail it could be anywhere. I'm imagining like a scorpion tail like you see the cute, <laughs> cute cuddly panda and then from out and back boom Scorpion tail.
3: What if the T-shirt has the panda on the front and then the back is the back of the panda with the tail sticking I don't sticking believe
2: up? we technically can make that. Oh, we we, we can. can. Really? We have, it'll, lo- it'll, we have our logo on that of our shirts. it you know costs right? a little more to print on, on both sides, like the full thing, but yeah, we could do it. Interesting. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, let us know in the comment section if you'd like they, that
2: T-shirt. They can
3: be like wearing a little like CCP hat or something like that.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, or a mouth cap. Or like yeah. somehow you see it, but only from the back or something. I don't know. We, we got, we're obviously, still concepting this. We're still obviously. concepting. Yeah. I, I like how I like how we like live on the show. We start brainstorming ideas. Like last time, we had the spake fork. That wasn't an
3: idea. That was you guys making fun of me for misspeaking.
2: <laughs> yeah, Ex- that was. But it was a good idea. I forgot I think about I said, spake I fork.
3: S- I said space fork. And then you started saying, and I tried to make
0: fun of you. And I said, Spake Fork. fork. <laughs> and then yeah. I just I just rolled with it. At least yeah.
3: one person said in the comments that they would buy a Spake Fork T-shirt.
0: Then it's worth it. <laughs> okay. That one guy. Scary Panda and Spake Fork. Okay.
3: <laughs> I feel like Scary Panda is going to sell a little bit better. Maybe. Our,
2: our best-selling T-shirt is uh, the Xi Jinping dressed as Winnie the Pooh. That's great. That's a classic. Which
0: you can get
2: over at China
0: tv slash merchandise. There are, apparently are some problems with people not being able to get onto the website if they're not using Chrome. Uh, There's like, I guess some browsers won't display stuff. We have to figure that out.
3: We're hmm. working on
0: it. Yes. We're, we're a small team. I'm also realizing in this wide shot, I have the microphone thing entirely in front of my face. You can move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i can move it can move but you know sometimes inertia right let me inertia. talk so
3: you have a chance to move that in okay. your... so one thing we were talking about how the ccp bullies people who are <laughs> the ccp bullies people who are you know trying to stand up to them right whether it's benedict rogers or these chinese dissidents and they also bully countries in the exact same way where mm. like when they We're like, okay, well, what we have to do to Benedict is to send letters to his neighbors to ostracize him and warn Mm -hmm. his neighbors that he's a dangerous person, right? Mm -hmm. Like, think about what they do to Taiwan, where they're like, okay, well, what we need to do is isolate Taiwan. Nobody is allowed to do anything nice for Taiwan, Mm -hmm. um, even if it's just like trading more with Taiwan, like Lithuania tried, right? You know, no, that's not okay. And then when Lithuania did it anyway then it was in like, okay, now we're going to target Lithuania. Hey, EU, Lithuania's neighbors, oh. if you guys trade with Lithuania, like kiss goodbye to trading with us, right?
0: They also wrote a letter to Benedict's mother. So who's Taiwan's mother in this scenario?
2: Obviously, it's it's Beijing. Well, I guess from their <laughs> the perspective. The motherland, right? Yeah.
3: Um, they should threaten themselves. I mean, I guess historically you could argue that Taiwan is China's mother
2: that's actually way more historically accurate yes. interesting
3: but that's not what they mean when they say the motherland
2: uh, so so China is
0: just in sort of this rebellious phase where they're turning against their mother well, well they've been in that
2: phase since. I mean the Civil they kind of
3: kicked their mom out of the house if we're gonna really go with this well, analogy
2: they're they really the unfilial son or daughter
3: yeah
0: that's right
2: yeah
3: i don't know where to go with this now
2: yeah no i, don't.
0: I know i realize that we are now at lunchtime <laughs> yeah. and we are stupid
3: come on we can we can end this on a we can end this strong
0: all we right stick the landing okay you're all right here we go got anything matt <laughs>
2: <sighs> i think what we just need to do is be uh all be vigilant about what the communist party is doing in other countries and you know, look at their tricks and and then laugh at them.
0: And that's good enough. Thank you for watching China Unscripted. I'm Chris Chappell. I'm Shelley Chung. And I'm Matt Gnaesta. We'll talk to you next time.